One of the, uh, one of the earliest memories um, that I have is from when I was about four years old. And uh, I was sleeping in my bedroom and I woke up because I had this like really scary dream. It was kind of a nightmare. And, uh, and I walked down the hall to my parents' room. And, uh, and I know some of you might have, might have done this in the past, right, where like you wake up and you're kind of scared and so you want to go talk to mom and dad. So that's what I did. And I walked to their room and knocked on the door and I said, hey, I, I had kind of a scary dream. Um, I was wondering if, if, if I could kind of sleep with you guys tonight. And so they, uh, they let me in and I was four, so I was a little bit too big for the bed. And so they made this like pallet on the ground. Uh, with like blankets and pillows and stuff, and uh, and that's where I was going to sleep. And so as I was as I was falling asleep, I remember looking up, and I'm and I'm laying on the ground, and I look up and I see this like image. I see this figure above me, and it's it's like glowing. It's like bright, and it's glowing. And um, I hadn't I had never seen anything like that before, and I haven't seen anything like that since. But instead of being scared, I remember looking up at it and it bringing me kind of a sense of peace. And so, so then I drifted off to sleep. And as I think back to that, to that story, you know, I can't help but wonder, like, was I real? Like, like did that actually happen? Did I, did I see what I thought I saw? I mean, maybe it was, maybe it was all just a dream. Or maybe, maybe I caught a glimpse in that moment of an angel. And uh, I, had a, I had a friend in high school who was a really incredible artist. He was, he was so good, and he would have all these drawings, and many of them were actually featured in magazines, which was cool. And his drawings were, they weren't lifelike, like when you take a picture and it looks like real life. They were just lifelike because there was something about the drawings that kind of drew you in, and you, it, they, were, they were just believable. And uh, he, had, he had all these incredible drawings, but there was a few of his drawings that were actually more dark. And there was one drawing, uh, or two drawings in particular, that actually in the drawing had, had like a demon in them. And so I remember asking, them, uh, asking him about those drawings, and he told me that he, the only thing he drew were things that he had actually seen before. And so he said that there were a few moments in, in, in his life when as he was falling asleep or as he was in his room, he actually saw a demon. And that the only way to keep the demon away or the only thing that seemed to work was whenever he would open scripture um, and he would quote scripture, it, it made the demon go away and then he could, he could get to sleep. And so as I think back to my interaction with this guy, I can't help but wonder, like, like was that real? Or, or was he just making the whole thing the whole thing up? Like, did he actually see what he thought he saw? Like, did he actually see a demon? And maybe for some of you, uh, this, is, this is kind of the question that you're wrestling with, uh, and it's this. Do angels and demons actually exist? Like do, they, like, do they really, really, like, is that a real thing, or just people just kind of making that up? Did that actually happen? Have people actually seen, or are there really angels and demons? Do angels and demons actually exist? And maybe, maybe you're asking this question because we're in the middle of this series called Battlefield. And uh, many of you know the bottom line, right? The bottom line of the series is this, um, that the struggle is real, 
right? That you and I go through struggles all the time, and maybe for you it's with your parents, maybe it's with your, uh, maybe it's with your girlfriend, maybe it's with your boyfriend, maybe it's with like your, your friend or your best friend or like your ex-best friend, but there's someone that you've had a struggle with, right? And someone that maybe you haven't agreed with, and maybe it's caused friendships to kind of tear apart, maybe it's caused some families to tear apart. But what we've been learning is that not only is the struggle real, but the struggle is spiritual, that underneath the surface of it all, there's something else happening. Right, even though you think it's just between you and her, you and him, and it's and it's his fault or it's her fault, that there's something else happening. That underneath the surface, there is an unseen spiritual reality behind it all. And we've even said this: that your enemy is not who you think it is. Right? That 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 your enemy is not him. It's not your friend. It's not your teacher. It's not your parents. That there is an unseen enemy, and we talked about him last week. And in this, in this unseen world, he is not the only unseen reality. That namely, there are other unseen realities called angels and demons. But for you, maybe when you think of angels and demons, maybe you get a picture uh, of something like this in your head. Maybe this is, when you think of angels, maybe you think of that, right? Um, does anyone know, just out of curiosity, does anyone know where this picture is actually from? Who is that? Well done. The Sistine Chapel, even though you've, you've heard that before. But whatever, it's fine, it's fine. Um, yeah, this is from the Sistine Chapel, painted by a guy named Michelangelo, which is pretty cool. And that's actually news to me, because growing up, uh, I thought that was from my grandmother's bathroom. All right, because she had this picture there, and uh, I don't know what it is, but I've been to other friends like grandmother's house, and they have this picture too. Like there's a grandmother convention that gets like into town, and they're like, hey, make sure you get that picture of the angels and put it in your bathroom, because that's what people do. So maybe for you, when you think of angels, you think of something like this, right? That it's like a, it's a chubby, naked baby, and it's got some wings, and maybe when you think of angels, you think of them. And, and the thing I love about this is that these angels are just kind of, like, they're kind of clueless, right? They're just, like, hanging out, and they're wondering, maybe talking to one another, like, what do you think God's going to do? I don't know, right? That creation thing was pretty cool. Like, who knows what he's going to do next? And so they're just kind of, like, kind of clueless. So maybe when you think of angels, you think of this. Or maybe when you think of demons, maybe you think of uh, this right here. Uh, Annabelle. Right? <laughs> we, we got people cheering for Annabelle. That's weird. Uh, maybe, maybe when you think of demons, maybe you think of Annabelle, or maybe, maybe rather you think of like The Conjuring, or you think of these other like scary movies, right? Um, and uh, here's the thing about Annabelle. This is a way to like ruin anyone's childhood, is tell them that like their favorite doll was actually a demon, okay? Don't do that. Don't do that to anyone. That's just kind of a weird thing. Or maybe for you, maybe the closest you've ever come to angels and demons is this right here. Um, and it's when, you, uh, it's when you tweet these out, right? The creepy angel baby right here. Just don't, don't use angel baby, right? Uh, or maybe if you're feeling like sinister or you're going to do something you know you shouldn't do and you want your friends to know about it, maybe you send that. Um, maybe you send this when you're, when you're scheming, right? I know. It's cool. Green team, scheme team. I see it. I see it happening. So maybe, so maybe when you think of angels and demons, you think of this. And, and like we've got these images in our head of what angels and demons are actually like. And because of that, they're kind of silly. Uh, and maybe they're like cartoons or they're from movies. And so we would just rather ignore them, right? We'd rather, uh, rather just pretend that they don't actually exist. But the problem is when you look at scripture, um, it's very obvious and it's very plain in scripture that in fact they do. They do exist. In fact, more than half of the books of the Bible mention angels and demons. 
And I want to show you, I want to show you just a few. And by the way, the thing about angels and demons is as you look throughout scripture, not only is it evident that they are real, but it's evident that they have dramatically changed the course of human history. In other words, their interaction with people is not only something that's been cited, but it has forever changed the way things were actually going to be. And so here's, uh, here's the first list right here of angels. These are just a few. There's, there's many others, but I just want to talk through a few. Um, this one, maybe you guys know about, right? That angels were the ones that told Mary and the shepherds about Jesus' birth, right? Jesus, son of God, come to the earth. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, found out that she was going to have Jesus by an angel. So an angel actually told her, which again was like probably pretty awkward for Mary um, because, because she had never had sex before, ever before. And so there was no way, there was no way that she could have been pregnant. And then surprise, she's pregnant. And so it's like, what's happening right here? And an angel comes up and an angel says, hey, I want you to know you're pregnant. And the baby is actually God's which is, again, very, very kind of strange. And not only that, but then when Jesus was actually born, angels showed up to these shepherds that were hanging out in a field. And they were hanging out there, and the angels showed up and said, hey, I want you to know, I want you to know, this guy named Jesus is born, and he's not just a guy. He's going to bring peace on earth. It's incredible. And so the announcement of Jesus' birth went out to the shepherds. And guess what? The shepherds went out, and they told a lot of other people about Jesus too. And so if it hadn't been for the angels, the shepherds wouldn't have known, and all the people the shepherds told wouldn't have known either. And then it goes on. Uh, angels are the ones that kept Joseph from divorcing Mary. So this is kind of drama that happened. And maybe you think your life is full of drama. So is the Bible. You should read it. And, um, and so Mary, again, she was actually pledged to be married to this guy named Joseph, but they had never had sex with one another. And so all of a sudden Mary shows up and she's pregnant and Joseph's like, and it's not mine, right? what's up, Mary? We need to have a talk, right? And so he gets pretty upset with Mary because she's pregnant. So obviously she has cheated on him. So he had in mind to divorce Mary. And then an angel showed up and an angel showed up to Joseph and said, Hey, I know um, that Mary's pregnant and the baby is not yours. I know, but it's actually God's. And again, that's kind of a whole, a whole different talk for another day. Um, but I want you to not divorce Mary because the baby is actually from God. And so imagine if an angel hadn't shown up, then Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Joseph, the stepdad of Jesus, would have been divorced. And history would have been changed forever. All because an angel showed up. Here's the next one. Um, they explain the resurrection of Jesus to his followers. Now, this is really interesting. So when Jesus was on earth, he was doing all these incredible things. And one of the things he did was he talked to his followers often. And he said, I want you to know there's something that's about to happen to me. I'm getting ready to die. They're actually going to crucify me. But, but listen, but three days later, three days later, I'm going to be raised to life. And then a few weeks passed and Jesus said, hey, hey, my followers, real quick, listen in. Um, I'm getting ready to die. They're actually going to kill me by Roman crucifixion, but then I'm going to be raised to life. And so he told his followers over and over again. And then sure enough, the time came and Jesus actually died on the cross. And then three days later, the disciples went to the tomb. And when they went to the tomb, they found out the tomb was empty. And they start freaking out. And they start thinking, oh my gosh, someone has stolen the body of Jesus. I can't believe this is not, what are we going to do? And then an angel showed up and said, hey, remember what Jesus said? Remember how he said he was going to die and then be raised to life? 
Well, that happened, okay? So I need you to know the resurrection has actually occurred. And so the very first beings to explain the resurrection were actually angels. And now all of our lives sitting in this room have forever been impacted because of the resurrection that was first announced by angels. And then the next one, um, they encouraged disciples to start the church. Some of you have heard me tell this story before. Uh, it's so good. So, so Jesus, after he rose from the dead, he actually appeared to many of the disciples. And the last thing he did was he was actually hanging out with them for about 40 days. And then he started ascending into heaven. He started going up into heaven. And so the disciples start watching him. And one of the last things that Jesus said is, don't worry, I'm going to be coming back. And so they all thought, oh, Jesus is going to go cook a hot pocket and then he'll be right back here, right? It's just going to be a few minutes. And so they start staring at the sky. And they're like, you think, it's just like two more minutes. Okay, here he comes. Okay, it must, must not be a strong microwave, okay? It's, it'll be there soon. And they keep staring at the sky waiting for Jesus to come back. And so then an angel shows up, and this is so good, because the angel doesn't actually show up in the sky. The angel actually shows up, like, right beside him. And so they're all staring up at the sky, and an angel, like, walks up. He's like, hey, what are, you, what are you guys looking for up there? And they're like, yeah, we're waiting for Jesus. And he's like, hey, he's coming back. It's just going to be a while, so I need you to go ahead and start the church. And so the church was launched in large part because an angel told the disciples to start moving. And then, and then uh, this is the last one. They freed the disciples from prison and an earlier death. So there was a guy named Peter. He was chained to two Roman guards and um, they were getting ready to kill him. In fact, they killed one of the other disciples the night before. And so Peter was next. So Peter had certain death right in front of him. And by the way, this happened before Peter did many of the miraculous things he did for the church and before he ever wrote first and second Peter. And then an angel showed up. And, 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 and like broke the chains that were on Peter's wrists and then rescued him from that jail. And so he never died. And because he never died, he continued to, to, to do dramatic things for the church. And, and he wrote first and second Peter. So if it hadn't been for the angels showing up, we wouldn't have first and second Peter in our Bibles. And so I'm telling you, angels have dramatically changed the course of human history, but they're not the only ones. Here's the next one. These are, these are actually stories from scripture of demons. Um, here's the first one. They promoted false teaching and that's from first Timothy four. There were people that were following after Jesus, but then they started believing lies. And the reason they believed lies is because demons were promoting false teaching. The next one is they were the first to tell people that Jesus was the son of God. Now this is really interesting because many people think that the only people that were telling people that Jesus was the son of God were his followers. And that's actually not true. In fact, when Jesus showed up on the scene before he did anything, he was around this one demon and the demon started freaking out and started looking at Jesus saying, Jesus, get away. Hey, he's the son of God. Get away, get away, get away. And so he was the one that actually announced that Jesus was the son of God before anyone else knew it, dramatically changing the course of human history. And then he, uh, uh, demons scared the people in a town called Gadarenes. And what happened was Jesus was hanging out and there were two men that were actually possessed by demons. And so he told the demons to leave and the demons kind of bargained with Jesus and said, well, we want to go into those pigs. And so they went into the pigs and then the pigs ran off a cliff. And so then all the townspeople came up to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, there went our supply of bacon Why'd you do that, man? Why'd you do that to us? And they actually asked Jesus to leave. And so if it hadn't been for demons, Jesus would have actually stayed in that town. And who knows? 
Who knows what he could have done? And then next, they cause physical and mental ailments. And this is throughout scripture, you see this happening. Um, next one, they kept Paul humble. There was a guy named Paul that was following Jesus. And it says that there was a messenger of Satan that actually tormented Paul to keep him humble. And then finally, demons divided the church. And this is the one that is like, to me, the most sad. Because, because see, the church was launched and God began doing incredible things in the church. But then the church began dividing, and it was in large part because of demons. And so, and so as, you, as you look at this, it, it, you can't ignore the fact that angels and demons have had a dramatic impact on the course of human history. But here's the key. They're not done. In other words, not only have they had a dramatic impact, but they are still having a dramatic impact in your life. In fact, there's many of you in the room that you may not even realize how much your life is influenced by the actions of angels and demons. And so the question for tonight is simple. It's this. So what do you do? What do you do with the angels and demons in your life? Because if it's true that the struggle is real, and if it's true that our enemy is real, and if it's true that angels and demons are real, then what do you do with the angels and demons in your life? And this was the exact question that a guy named Paul set out to answer when he wrote Ephesians. And so I would love for us to look together at Ephesians chapter 6. You can go ahead and grab your Bible if you don't already have one. They're up here on the tables. You can also um, find them right beside you. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 6 on page 1177. So page 1177, and as many of you know, a guy named Paul started writing to his followers that were struggling, and they were struggling with their families, they were struggling with their friends, they were struggling at their jobs, there were struggles all over the place. And Paul wrote them to say, hey, I want you to know, there's something more happening. There's something underneath the surface that's happening. And he starts off by saying this, finally, okay, in light of everything that I've told you, finally we get to this, and here's kind of the bottom line that I want you to know if you don't know anything else. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. And this, I'm telling you, if you don't get anything else, if there's nothing else that you hear tonight, this is what you need to know. That your strength in the struggle is the Lord. Your strength in the struggle is the Lord. Your strength is not M12. Your strength is not your friends. Your strength is not me. Your strength is not the band. Your strength is not these songs that we sing, although all those things are good. Your strength in the struggle is the Lord. You can't do it on your own. Your friends can't help you enough. This band can't help you enough. Your strength in the struggle is in the Lord and in his mighty power. And so then he goes on to explain exactly what that means. And he says this in verse 11. I think the next, there we go. So put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And we talked about this last week, right? That your enemy is a schemer, right? You're not the only ones that scheme. The devil schemes too, right? So it's okay. We're all kind of in the same boat. We're all schemers together. And so is he. And the way that he schemes is that he actually lies and he deceives you into convincing. He convinces you that things that aren't true. And so then he goes on. In verse 12, he says, for our struggle, I want to remind you again, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the spiritual forces of evil. Spiritual forces. Now that's plural right there. 
more than one force. He's saying when you struggle, when you're struggling in your life, you're actually struggling against forces. Now remember, you have one enemy. There is only one enemy. And we talked about him last week. But here he says what you struggle against is the forces, which is plural. And so what he's referring to there is referring to angels and demons. That when you're struggling in life, you may not realize it, but you're actually struggling against an unseen reality of angels and demons. And so I believe the secret to understanding what it means to struggle is to understand what the word angel and demon actually mean. So this is, this is actually the word that we translate as angel right here. This is Hebrew and it's pronounced malach. Okay, and so we're all, we're all gonna try that together. We're all gonna say malach together. But the key is, that's right, the key is the very end, you gotta like pretend like you're hawking a loogie, but don't hawk it all the way, okay? That would be bad. So like malach, like that. You gotta like get it, yep. And if you feel something wet on the back of your neck, just ignore it, it's fine. It's totally good, okay? So, so we're gonna try it on the count of three. I want you to say malach, okay? Here we go, one, two, Three, malach. There we go. That was good. I know people are like, that was the grossest thing ever, right? So the word malach is what we translate. This is what we translate as angels. Now, here's what malach actually means. And this is actually in your notes. It means messenger. Malach literally means messenger. So an angel is actually a messenger, someone delivering a message. And a demon is also known as a fallen angel a fallen malach, or a fallen messenger. Which means that both angels and demons serve the exact same purpose. And their purpose is to be a messenger. More specifically, to deliver a message to you. That's what angels and demons are all about, delivering a message. And you get this, right? Like, like you and I know what it means to get messages. In fact, we get, we get messages all the time, right? Like you get, you get a message on TV. You get a message here at M12. You get messages from your parents. You get messages from your coach. You get messages from your teachers. You get messages at school. You get messages at home. You get messages on your phone. You get messages on Twitter and on Instagram. You get messages all over the place. Everywhere you go, you're getting a message. When you're driving in the car and you see a billboard, that's a message being given to you. When you go and eat at Chick-fil-A and you see that sign that says, eat more chicken, that's a message to you, right? And then this is really interesting. It says on average, on average, the average person gets at least 3,000, 3,000 messages every day. So every day you're getting messages and they may not come up on your phone, but maybe the message is from your friend. Maybe the message is from your girlfriend. Maybe the message is from your parents. Maybe the message is from your coach. And I would argue, I would argue that as teenagers, you're actually getting more than this. I think you're getting more than 3,000 messages, which means every day, every day that passes, you are getting 3,000 messages delivered to you. And I think, I think that your day right here is defined by what message you actually listen to. In fact, I, uh, when I was about a sophomore or junior in, uh, in high school. I, uh, I well, well, let me say this first. When I was younger, and some of you may, may feel this way right now, I wanted people to send me mail, 
like like real mail. You know what I'm saying? Like they actually put a, like a, a postage thing on it and they send it to me and then I get to open it up. Like I wanted that, right? Because growing up, I saw my parents got like these, these, these mail messages every single day. And I was like, I want that. That's not fair. I want those things. And my parents always said, no, you don't because it's just bills, okay? No one, you don't want the mail that we're getting, okay? I promise you. But I kept saying, no, I want mail, I want mail, I want mail. And uh, finally, when I was a sophomore or junior, I started getting pieces of mail from different colleges. And I started to feel pretty good about myself because all of a sudden the University of North Carolina said, Steve, we want you at our college. I was like, really? And then I got another piece of mail from, from Maryland and Marilyn said, Steve, we want you at our college. And I'm like, oh, they must have been listening to some eighth degree. Like maybe that's how they knew a little bit about me, right? And then, and then I started getting like two or three a day. And I'm like, this is, I can't believe all these colleges want me. I was blown away. And then I found out all my friends were getting the exact same thing. And then I felt cheated. I was like, that is not fair colleges. How could you do that? And one of the pieces of mail, I started getting about six or seven every single day, six or seven pieces of mail from different colleges all across the country saying they wanted me to be at their college. And it's not because I was special. It's because I was like 17. That's the only reason I was getting them. So I'm getting all these pieces of mail. And one of the pieces of mail I got was from the University of Georgia. Yeah. And, and maybe, maybe, it had, maybe it had an attractive female on the front. I don't know. Like, maybe it did. Well done, UGA. Clever marketing. You got me, right? So I opened it up. I'm like, let me see what this college is all about. And so I start looking. And even though I was getting just bombarded by all these different male messages from college campuses, I only listened to one. And here's the deal. The, um, the, message, the message that I actually listened to was the one that I would eventually say yes to and go there to school, right? That's, that's the school I was actually going to go to, which means, here's what it means. It means that whatever piece of mail I said yes to was going to define the next four years of my life, right? The next four years were going to be determined by which of these mail messages I was actually going to listen to. And so sure enough, I get this piece of mail from UGA and I say yes to that one. And I spent the next four years in Athens, Georgia at the University of Georgia. Now, here's what I didn't realize. What I didn't realize was that the message I listened to would not just define the next four years of my life. See, because it was at UGA that I actually met my wife, Catherine. And so not only, not only did me saying yes to that invitation make me at UGA for the next four years, but it introduced me to the woman that I was eventually gonna marry, which means, which means if I didn't say yes to UGA, Catherine and I would not be married today. And not just that, but listen to this. Um, when I, about, about three years ago, I was, I was making a decision trying to decide which church I, uh, I wanted to go to. I felt like God had called me into the ministry to specifically work with middle school and high school students. And so I started looking around and I was literally open to going anywhere in the country. I was looking at churches in Texas. I was looking at churches in California. And it was one of my friends that I met at UGA that actually told me if I was open to considering any church, I need to be at 12 Stone. Which means, had it not been for me going to UGA, I would not be where I am today. So not only, not only did my yes to that message, not only did that me, me listening to that message define the next four years, but it defined my entire future. 
It would completely change who I was going to marry and where I would eventually work. Because the messages, the messages you listen to define the future you. The messages you listen to, I think we've got it up on the, on the screen. There we go. The messages you listen to define the future you. Which means when you actually choose to listen to a message, that will completely change the course of history. And so here's the deal. You and I are getting messages all over the place, right? You're getting more than 3,000 messages every single day. And some of the messages are from your parents. Some of the messages are from your friends. Some of the messages are from TV. Some of the messages are from Twitter. And, and some of the messages are from angels. And some of the messages are from demons. And listen, both messages from angels and from demons sound good. Both messages sound like you should listen to them. But the difference is one message leads to life. And the other message leads to death. One message leads to peace. The other message leads to anxiety. One message leads to joy and the other message leads to sadness. One message leads to truth and the other message leads to a lie. One message leads to a life of great reward and the other message leads to a life of great regret. And the message that you listen to will define the future you. And, and I want to talk just for a second about the difference between like listening and hearing, right? Because what I'm saying is the messages you listen to, there's a difference between listening and hearing. Um, like all of you in this room have heard your parents talk. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what their voice sounds like. And some of you are experts at this because even though you can hear them talk, you can choose not to listen, right? Some of you are like, I am so good at that. It's amazing. I don't even know what they're saying anymore. It's phenomenal because you can hear someone talk, but choose not to listen. And so chances are you've heard the 3,000 voices, the 3,000 messages coming to you. But the question is, which one, which one are you actually listening to? Because one of them leads to great reward and the other one leads to great regret. And I believe, I believe this is the reason that for some of you in this room, you come to M12 week in and week out and you've seen your friends change and maybe you hear me up on stage and, and you think that your life should change, but for whatever reason, your life isn't changing. And maybe the reason is because you're hearing what I'm saying, but you're not actually listening to what I'm saying. Because maybe, maybe you hear a message about gossip or you hear a message about lying, but then you like get in that moment and then all of a sudden there's a different message coming towards you and the message coming towards you is you should talk about her, is you should lie about her. And now you have two messages coming at you, but you only listen to one. And maybe for some of you, the reason that you've had regret and the reason that your life isn't changing the way you wish it could is because you're listening to the wrong message. See, the messages you listen to define the future you. I mean, I, this, is, this is so huge. This, by the way, this is the reason that every single morning when I wake up, the first thing I do is I spend time reading scripture, praying and listening to God. Because I know that the messages I listen to are huge and I've got to make sure that I'm listening to the right message. 
See, my wife and I are in the middle of this, um, we're in the middle of this pretty cool process where we're actually trying to buy a home, uh, which is neat. She and I have been married for over seven years. And for these seven years uh, of, of our life, we've only lived in one bedroom apartments. And uh, we've actually lived in five different one bedroom apartments, um, which means we are experts at moving. We're so good at it. And we're also experts at living in like 750 square feet, like just the smallest little bit of space ever. We're so good uh, at that as well. So um, we've only ever lived in these one bedroom apartments and now we feel like it's time and we think we're ready to actually live in a house. But for those of you, some of you may not know this, but buying a house is like an extraordinarily long process. It takes just an unbelievable amount of time. Uh, I wish it were as simple as like knocking on someone's door, being like, hey, I like your house. Can I have it? Um, but it doesn't work that way. And so you've got to do like all the, like you got to like check these websites and you got to look at these pictures and then you got to like visit the home and you got to check out things and then you got to like pay for an inspection for someone else to look and make sure that the house is what they say the house is. And then you got to pay, this is crazy. You have to pay someone to tell you what the house is worth. And it's like, well, you just cut down the value of the house because I had to pay you for it. You know what I'm saying? Like this is not, so it's a big, big, long, long drawn out process. But the cool thing for us is that we're actually pretty far along in the process. And we think maybe that we've actually found our home, which is cool. Uh, in fact, we're so far along in the process that, that, that it's looking like it's a done deal, like it's going to happen. And so she and I were actually talking to the realtor on the phone, and, uh, and I, said, uh, I said this on the phone. I said, um, we're ready to move into this house yesterday. You know, like, like I'm there. Like, when can we move in? And not only that, but like we've gotten to the point now where we're starting to look at like what, what color walls we want to have, what kind of paint we're going to get, and like how we're going to like redo the kitchen, and like maybe we're going to change things around here, and what furniture are we going to buy? And we're looking at all that stuff, and the more we like talk about it, the more we go into it, the more excited I get. In fact, I'm getting so excited about it that like as like sometimes when I'm working and I should be focusing on work, all I can think about is the house. Like all I can think about is like, I can't wait till we move in. I can't wait till we do this. And it's going to be so good. And I can't wait for that. And then sometimes if I'm honest, sometimes when I'm talking with Catherine, I'm thinking about the house, right? I'm not really like, I know I should be focusing on that, but I'm just thinking about the house. And sometimes, sometimes I'll be talking with God, but I'm thinking about the house, because I just can't wait for that house. In fact, what I've noticed is that, and, and, and this is kind of crazy, so I don't know if I'm explaining this right, but like, it's almost like my heart is like attaching itself to this house. It's like, it's like all about this house. And I'm, I'm actually starting to find fulfillment in this house. I'm starting to find joy in this house. I'm starting to find my peace in this house. I'm starting to feel valuable as a person because of this house. And scripture actually has a word for that. They call it idolatry when you do that. And that means that I'm beginning to love this created thing more than I'm loving my creator. It means I'm finding my worth and my value in something when I should only find it in God. And so a few, a few mornings ago, I, uh, I was reading scripture and I've been reading through the Psalms. And I was reading Psalm 144. And we've actually got the verse. This is, this is the verse that I read. And, uh, and it said this. It said, man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. And when I read that, it, 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 it was like, it, it, it just blew my mind. I knew what God was saying to me in that moment. And maybe for you, it's not clear. So this is, this is what I feel like God was saying through that scripture. I feel like he was saying this. That house... It's like a breath. Your home is like a passing shadow. 
It's here today and then it's gone tomorrow. Hey, Steve, I don't care what like renovations you want to do in the kitchen, bro. I could send a tornado and take that thing out. You know what I'm saying? Like I could make sure you don't get that house or I could make sure you get an even better house. That house is a shadow. It's like a breath. And I realized in that moment, the message that I was getting from God was not to find all my worth and all of my value and all of my hope and all my joy and all my fulfillment in the house, but instead to find it in God. And in that moment, I was getting two messages. One message was telling me that the house was everything. And the other message that the house was like a breath. And in that moment, my life was going to be defined. My future would be defined by what voice I actually listened to. This, this, is, this is why I'm telling you, you gotta be spending time reading scripture. Man, I, I don't know what I would do if it weren't for that time in the morning because I'll tell you this, my heart does that all the time. My heart like just gravitates towards things that aren't good for me. They gravitate towards things in place of God. My heart does that all the time. And if it weren't for that time in the morning, guys, I have to have it because my life would be upside down if I didn't have it. It would be because I'm getting 3,000 messages a day and I need to know what message to listen to. What message am I going to listen to? And so the question for you tonight is the same. What message are you listening to? What message are you listening to? Are you listening to the message of, of your friends? Listening to the messages on Twitter? On TV, in movies? Or are you listening to the messages that come from God? See, I, I think, I want to say this, just, just to the, um, this, is, this is just going to be to the people in the room that have accepted Christ and you're like committed to following after him. Okay, so what I'm getting ready to say is only for those people. If, if, if that's not you and you're like, maybe you're new to M12 or you're new to the whole like church deal or you're trying to figure out what God and Jesus are all about, that's totally cool. Like we're glad you're here. And the neat thing about this next moment is that you don't have to listen to me. This doesn't apply to you, um, which is cool. So you can make fun of the rest of us because now we have to actually do this thing I'm about to say. Um, and so, but if you want to join, you're more than welcome to join and do this as well. But here's what I would say. If you are following after Jesus, If you've accepted Christ and you're saying, I'm in, I want to follow Jesus, you have to be spending time reading scripture. You have to. Because you're getting 3,000 messages every day. And most of them are pulling you in a direction that you, trust me, you don't want to go. And so I think you gotta, gotta, gotta be spending time every day reading scripture. And so here's my challenge to you. If, if that's you and you're following after Jesus and you're like, yes, I'm, I'm in, I'm committed, I wanna do that. This, this is what I wanna encourage you to do. Read five minutes every day. And by the way, just, that's only five minutes, okay? Everyone in this room has five minutes. You can, you can spend five minutes after the service doing this. You could spend five minutes as soon as you get home doing this. You could spend five minutes in the morning before you go to school. Uh, Five minutes once you get home from school. Everyone has five minutes. And so my, my encouragement to you is five minutes every day. So don't try to like lump it all together. Like one day I'm going to do an hour and then I'm going to skip a week. Just, just five minutes every day. And if you don't know where to begin, or even if you do know where to begin, here's what I 
here's what I would encourage you to do. I want you to read the book of Ephesians, which by the way, this is the book that we've been going through. This is the, these are the verses that we've been talking about. So I, wanna, I want us like together, all, like imagine what it would be like if all of us in this room committed to reading the same thing. I think that'd be really cool. And so my, my, uh, my hope for you is just for this next week, read five minutes every day. And the cool thing is that Ephesians has six chapters. And if you read five minutes a day, most likely uh, you'll get about a chapter a day. And so that's six days. And then on like the seventh day for the next week, you could reread chapter six because that's what we'll be talking about next week. So, So for the next week, read five minutes every day from the book of Ephesians. And here's what I want you to do, because I don't want you to just read, because I think that's good if you just read, but I think it's even better if you ask some questions. So here's the two questions that I want you to ask. And by the way, these are questions that I ask on a regular basis. Every time I sit down and I spend time with the Lord, every time I uh, open up scripture and I'm like looking through stuff, as I'm going to be reading Ephesians, these are the two questions I'm going to be asking as well. And it's this, what does this say about God? The first one is, what does this say about God? As I'm reading these verses and as I'm trying to figure out kind of what this chapter is all about, what does this say about God? In fact, if you were to take that example of Psalm 144, verse 4, um, what does that say about God? Uh, Well, what it says is that our days are like a breath. They're like a shadow, but God's days are not. See, God stands eternal. God will last forever. He is not like a shadow, which means I can always hope in him because he's never going to fade away. So, so what does this say about God? And then the next one, what does this say about my life? What does this say about my life? And, um, you know, so going back to the Psalm 144, verse four, I've already told you this, right? But like what it says about my life is that I don't need to hope. I don't need to find all my fulfillment in a house. I need to find it in my savior. That's what it says about my life. And as you're reading through Ephesians, what I think you'll find is that there's something God wants to say to you about the situation that you're in today. And so just five minutes every day, reading about a chapter of Ephesians, asking, what does this say about God? And what does this say about my life? And and if you do this, and if you're actually committed to listening to God, not just hearing the words, not just reading words on a page, but listening, imagine what God could do. Like imagine, imagine what this room would look like next week if all of us together committed, we're gonna do this. Like, what would it be like if you guys like tweeted and texted at one another saying, hey, did you do your five minutes today? Hey, hey, I read Ephesians 1. Did you read Ephesians 1 today? In fact, uh, I read Ephesians 1 today and it talks about the fact that this is crazy, by the way. Uh, It says, we've been given every spiritual blessing that is in Christ. And, and, and it uses this phrase that says, we've been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, which is the same word that it uses in Ephesians 6 when it talks about our struggle. So in other words, we've been given everything we need. How cool is that? You're gonna read that tomorrow. Sorry to give away some of the ending, but that's gonna happen tomorrow. So as you're reading this, say, God, what does this say about you? And what does this say about my life? Because the messages you listen to will define the future you. And some messages lead to life and other messages lead to death. Some messages lead to great reward and other messages lead to great regret. And so what message are you listening to? Let me pray for us. God, I believe that you are, um, I believe that you are good. 
and that your word to us uh, is so good for us <laughs> that we're like, we're not able to do this on our own. Oh my gosh, God, I, you know, <laughs> you know me and you know how like the days when I don't do this, my life is upside down. I'm so lost without you, God. I'm so lost without you. And so I want to listen to you. And more than that, right now, I want these students to listen to you because they're getting bombarded by messages. Some from angels, some from demons, some from themselves, some from their past, some from their family, some from their friends. But the only message worth listening to is yours. So I ask God, I do, I pray for these students that as they sit down tomorrow and as they open up scripture and they're reading Ephesians chapter one, would you speak to them? Would they listen to the message that you have for them? And would it change their life as you've changed mine? I know the messages I've listened to have defined me today and I know they will continue to define me. And so God, would you tune our ears to hear your voice, to listen to you and to pay attention to you? We need you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.